Say It Skillfully is about being who you really are and saying what you think needs to be said, even at work. Whether you're part of a small project team or leading a giant company, the more you accept that you're part of the problem, the faster you can be part of the solution. Join Molly Chang today as together we break the silence and learn how to be happier, healthier, and more productive at work and in life. Hello, Molly here. Welcome to Say It Skillfully, helping you find the words to create shared reality in a way that's true to yourself. This week marks the one-year anniversary of when I created Say It Skillfully, starting as a video series and now this radio show and podcast. So first off, my heartfelt thanks to people all over the world for whom this has resonated and doing your part to say what needs to be said and help others to do so too. Almost a million video views, and after just a few months, my podcasts are heard in 50 countries. Thank you. And my gratitude to friend and mentor, Marshall Goldsmith, who inspired me on all this. He is the ultimate in generosity and helping others. For me, I couldn't stand when I heard Gallup reporting that 85% of the world's employees are disengaged at work for $7 trillion of lost economic productivity. Tragic. What I saw was an epidemic of people holding back at work, feeling as if they were in a straitjacket. And to me, it was a work injustice. And it was pervasive. Even senior people would say to me, Molly, I can't say that. And then in the very next breath, and it'll never change. For the rank and file, it may feel the bosses aren't open, but really, do you think they drive to work thinking, gosh, I'm just going to make it so scary. No one tells me what I need to hear. So we lack understanding of each other, having a very different experience at work. Um, and really, the vast majority really do want to hear the truth. While there's much said about safe space that's actually relatively straightforward to get to, what holds folks back is finding a way to get started and at the actual words so you don't look bad or offend someone. So I was really compelled to do my small part to help us get out of our own way. And here we are. I couldn't be more excited because I know we're only at the very beginning and soon we'll break free of the straitjackets. We'll be able to say what needs to be said and hear all voices. So with that, I couldn't be happier to introduce our next caller, Alyssa from New York. Alyssa, thanks so much for joining me. And uh, what challenge or sensitive topic is on your mind? I was following your show on LinkedIn and now on, on this. So I really want to say congratulations. You've done a lot of good work in the world. Thank you very much. I appreciate you for that. Uh, you're very welcome. So I'm going to bring up a personal topic, if that's okay. Fantastic. We love it. <laughs> So I, you know, it's interesting. I think a lot, some relationships are very straightforward. If you have a romantic partner, you're together. Sadly, if you're not together, you break up and that's life and you move on. And we have all these like words for it, like even divorce from a marriage. But with friends, it's so much more complicated, I think. And I had this situation and it's been going on for a while where I have a friend who I've kind of broken up to up with, but I haven't gotten the nerve to say anything to her, either to repair the relationship or to officially kind of break up because um, it's just so uncomfortable. So the, the issue is that this is a friend who I, oh, I was close with her. I can't say that, but we, but we got along. We did a lot of things together. And I, it turned out, I just kind of realized I never really felt great or safe with this person. And I realized 
she talks about our other friends behind their backs. And that makes me super uncomfortable. And I realized that if she does that to them, she does it to me. And I couldn't sort of stand it. And so ultimately, I just kind of like, uh, you know, began not spending time with her. And suddenly, we're not friends anymore. But I really think about it. Like, uh, I should say something to her. I should figure out a way to, you know, I don't know, either either not, not just... Um, not just vaguely sort of fall off a cliff because I've had other friends do that to me and I really don't like it. So I'm in a dilemma of what to do. Uh, I so appreciate you for bringing this up because this happens a lot. It has happened to me too. And so, you know, this is the deal. You have a choice. You can do whatever you want to do, right? That It's totally fine. Um, if you were in the shoes um, and someone thought that about you, would you want someone to let you know? Yes. Yes. Right. So, and I can feel that you'd like to approach this. So, um, here's a way to think about it without making anyone bad or wrong as a person, but that's, you have this experience and um, she doesn't know that you know that necessarily. So, I'll call this how to get it into the universe. Let's just call this girlfriend Amy. And you can say, Amy, Amy, you know, you may have noticed I haven't really reached out. And it's been a bit uncomfortable. So you're acknowledging how you feel because I can feel you're a little bit uncomfortable, right? So let's Mm -hmm. normalize that. That's totally normal. Um, And there's something I I really want to share with you. And if I were in your shoes, I would would want a friend to say this to me. And, you know, you look her in the eye and you see if this sense of it's a good time. It's not a good time. I'm happy to do it later. Get the head nod, right? So she's kind of nodding her head. And so, you know, I observed and whatever the situation you observed with, right? That you were telling me about such and such. And to me, it felt like, to me, it felt like it was behind this person's back. Now, I know it may seem obvious when something's behind someone's back, but just saying that, like for me, it was behind someone's back. Is that how that person, Amy, might feel about it? So you're starting to get Mm -hmm. some dialogue, right? And so there may be something else going on, right? And we don't know. You don't know. So you're getting new information. And then, then show, yeah, well, that's behind someone's back. And so you can just say it's you. For me, Amy, when I experience that, it doesn't, that's not a behavior of trust. So it's hard for me to trust. And you can depersonalize it without saying, I don't trust you, right? That kind of behavior, yeah. I don't really trust. And it's not something I want to be around, and so you find out more. And so you might say, why is it that you did that or said that? So just you're, you're seeking first to understand neutral, positive intent, see what comes up, and then work with that. So I'll just pause for a moment. How does that sound to get into it? Well, let me think for a second. It sounds a little scary, but I can understand that I need uh, some structure. So I think in light of the structure, I think it sounds very helpful. So let's just try it, try it, uh, trying to role model a little bit. I'm Amy. Okay, you're having mm-hmm. a co- you're having a coffee. Would you have a coffee or would you call it? Let's, let's role model it, role model it a bit. Well, I mean, I know you said I should be in person, but honestly, I might feel more comfortable with a call. The call is fine. There's no right or wrong on that. Whatever you're more comfortable with, that, that call would be. So totally I think fine. I'd be. I'd probably say I'd probably text her or email her and say, "Is it a good time to talk on the weekend or something?" That's great. So she says, okay. okay. So now ring, ring, ring. Hello. <laughs> no. Okay. I just want to roll model. Um, 
Hey, Amy, it's Alyssa. I'm glad that we could talk now. How are you doing? Doing great. It's been a long time. I'm really glad to hear from you. Yeah. Um, Yeah, me too. It's good to talk. You know, and I was realizing that, you know, I I was realizing that there's there's a few things that I wanted to sort of chat with you about. Because, you know, I, I really appreciate our friendship and I appreciate spending our time together. And, you know, there's something on my mind that I'd like to share with you if it's a good time. That's fabulous. Let me do a pause. That was fabulous, Alyssa. So one thing I didn't point out in the beginning is kind of doing the exhale any fear, inhale compassion, because Amy's mm-hmm. not trying to do bad things. Inhale love, inhale positive mm-hmm. intent. Right, exhale. So, getting your your literally your voice right, so into that right state, and and that's something people feel right. So, feeling that energy. Okay, so go on. So yeah. I said, great, great. Thanks. Now you can you go know, on. Honestly, I think from there, I think I probably would be able to take it from there. Um, especially what I appreciate about what you said, the idea that it feels it feels to me like, which I think softens it no matter what. Yeah, and, and this is the thing for all folks, all listeners, do your best to own your state, right? So your energy will influence the others and that you can control. If that means meditating, if that means going for a workout so you're feeling pumped up, that's what you need to do for you. So get in good relationship with yourself, own that. Yeah. And then it, while it may or may not go the way you think, it's not our job to control how other people react, right? So there's no, yeah. right? You can only do what you can do and feel like you put your best foot forward. And that's great. And, and I would encourage folks, you know, the awareness here, like, wow, maybe I am. I'm scared about it. I'm this and that. That's great awareness. Your self-compassion needs to track with your increase in self-awareness. Otherwise, you're just too hard on yourself. Mm. So I think that that's yeah. a real, you know, you sound like a very conscientious person, Alyssa. You know, you want to do the right thing. Don't beat yourself up. <laughs> That's very helpful for me to hear. Yes. <laughs> so to wrap, yes. to wrap here, I always like to ask folks um, your top takeaway from our chat. So what's a top takeaway for you? Uh, the top takeaway, first of all, I think the top takeaway is just uh, the structure really helps. I like the idea of, um, I think you said, exhale fear and breathe in compassion. Is that right? Yes. Not the opposite. <laughs> don't don't <laughs> exhale the compassion and breathe in fear. Right. So uh, I like those two ideas. And I think, you know, a reminder for me that uh, I'm doing the best I can. And I, it's, I don't need to beat myself up. Those are really helpful things. And those get me out of the way of myself more to be able to do this thing. And by the way, have other hard conversations too. So that was very helpful. That's fantastic. One last thing is sometimes we, in our mind, like this is a hard conversation. And it, it may or may not be if we can program ourselves. You know what? This is not that hard. This is something that absolutely I can do. No problem. I give yourself for that credit and let's not make it any harder on ourselves. Be your best friend versus your worst enemy going into it. Um, Alyssa, I appreciate you calling in and making time and most of all being part of the solution. And obviously, if I can help you out, you please reach back out. Okay. Thanks, Molly. That was really helpful. (laughs) Take care. 
Okay, I just want to give the studio's phone number for our listeners. I really want to encourage if there's any question you have on your mind, call in, and that would be 866 472 5790. Again, that's 866 472 5790. And I am delighted to introduce our next caller, Jerry. Jerry, welcome to the show. Hey, Molly, how are you? Thank you so much for having me. How are you? I'm doing fabulously. I really could not be doing better. Uh, so, Jerry, do you have a uh, tough conversation or a sensitive situation? What's well, I do have a conversation. First of all, congrats on your one year, and I'm sure uh, what you're doing is making a big difference, and I'm just delighted to hear that uh, the one-year threshold has been completed, and I'm pretty sure you will move on from here. I do have uh, a question and it's pretty much not a question. I, I, I sat around with some work colleagues, and we were talking about uh, the, current school, the, the current school system, primarily the higher uh, education um, um, sector. And we were talking about is it, is it geared towards a cookie-cutter system where uh, – the school system are training our children to become employees instead of employers. And this was a conversation, again, that I have with some work colleagues, and we were sitting around, you know, talking about it, that uh, the, we come to realize that the old system, if you want to put it that way, the system that, you know, pretty much baby boomers grew up in was where we were taught to go to school, get a good education, come out, uh, get a good job, a job with, you know, a future, which have, you know, benefits and these things. But what we're realizing is now, now in this time and age, that these jobs really don't exist no more. There is no such thing as a job with a future. The compensations are, are, are leaving and the 401ks are leaving. So now what we're doing is uh, we're sending our kids into these uh, schools and the schools is teaching them to be, you know, uh, employees, and they're just coming out with a huge, um, a huge debt with the uh, from 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 school, and really no job with no future because those things doesn't exist. So because we live in the uh, computer age now, we were thinking, wouldn't it be more of a uh, of a better thing to start gearing our kids towards uh, being entrepreneurs and things of that nature instead of going to school for four to six years and coming out with really no guaranteed job. Yes, you have a degree, but really you don't have a job to go to when you're ending up with this big, huge uh, debt behind you, even if you do find a job. And this is what the conversation was about. I would like to know your thoughts on that. Well, I appreciate you bringing this up. It's national global topic and you know obviously our most precious precious asset is our youth coming up the ranks and this is one of those situations where the reality is very different very different and you know i was a product of an amazing public school system that i felt really did well equip me for life as well as the great university setting um for the time that it was then but this is now so I hear you folks, and I feel like this is one of those very tough things because it's not a one-size-fit-all 
solution by any stretch. Um, and at the same time, it's not serving the, the most. I mean, I think we actually, it's so funny you mentioned this, Jerry, because I had a similar conversation about the gaps are widening. Um, and at a personal level, I have some, some relatives where kids are in a really great school system. It's nurturing. I would say that the leadership, the entrepreneurial, the take charge, that sort of skill set is something yeah. that they've gotten, right? And I think there are pockets for sure where it exists. So the good news is there is a role model of what that solution could look like. At the same time, you've got other school systems where, you know, frankly, they're at the food and water versus self-actualization part of Maslow's hierarchy, right? There's a lot. They don't have enough money. They don't have enough teachers. So it's really a very tough nut to crack holistically. Um, I agree with you on it. And let's, let's shift the gears to, you know, I guess for me it's about having transparency that there are all these different experiences and, and we're really not serving everyone that we, the way we'd like to, right? So, I mean, I, I, that seems mm-hmm. kind of obvious, but I think for some people, they, they really think it's fine, you know, relatively speaking, in their small world. And it's, it's sort of not very um, personal for them because eh, over there, some people are having a hard time. And, and to me, empathetic understanding, meaning what does it feel like to be in other shoes is really important for people to connect and, and figure out that we need to solve this together. Because it doesn't hurt any of us if we have part of our youth who aren't able to fulfill their potential. And I think that holistic ownership is, is a starting point. Uh, and right. then, and, and right? Yes. And, and you're right. I do. I, I totally agree with you. And the uh, conversation pretty much was that we didn't want to usher in, uh, you know, just pushing these kids into a system where, they would uh, eventually come out with huge debts when uh, we can somehow, is there another way to steer them into another direction because the age that we live in is the information age. And we all know that today kids even from nine on up are making, you know, millions of dollars if this is their goal to make money, right? that the because of the age that we live in, which is the information age, they're able to do all this and still be able to live a productive life without uh, still going to, going to school for all these years and coming back with uh, tons of amount of debt to be paid back and, you know, just to have that burden on them. So just to keep their options open instead of just, you know, uh, blindly just send them into a system where that probably for this day and age is, you know, needs some tweaking. Yeah, that's great. Let's talk it, make it really personal. So do you have kids in this college age? I mean, pre-college well, age? Yes, I have a daughter who graduated and she's doing well. She's actually, she teaches up in Buffalo, New York, and uh, she's doing great. So, you know, so what we were talking about were the, children that's coming like behind her or the ones that are coming up, our, you know, our grandchildren or, you know, our, you know, the children and their children and things like that coming up. Are we still going to sit back and continue to, you know, to just allow, to just let them go through the system and knowing that at the end, the end result is children are coming out with massive amount of, uh, of our debt. Yeah, and it's it's real for the folks going into the school. It's it's like it's lovely to think we could change it, and it will in some future state. But at this point in time, 
how do you have that conversation? And what was, um, were, were, were the folks you're talking to, were those parents having the conversation with their, their kids? I'm curious how that well, conversation Well, yeah, they, 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 you know, uh, the conversation was surrounded. They, um, they were wondering that, uh, you know, was there like an alternative to this? Because, you know, they, they, they're, they're saying uh, that are we going to sit back and continue to just go ahead and, uh, you know, allow our children to go ahead and go through the system where that pretty much it works for some and not others just to, you know, they, 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 they was wondering, is there another, maybe another avenue? Because our school system pretty much haven't changed. The only thing that really changed as far as higher education that keeps on changing is the price of tuition. That's the only thing that keeps going up. But the overall picture and the curriculum is still the same. They still, you know, the children, um, they're being taught to be employees, rather it be uh, high-paying employees or whatever. You're still at the end of at the end of the day. You're still an employee. And the thing uh, the thing was, we need to change that mindset from employee to employers. And the yeah. way to do that, one way of doing that, is through uh, is through uh, either entrepreneurship and you know things think things of that nature besides the regular just going to school and teaching them, you know, go to school, get a, get a good job and, you know, and we're teaching our kids just to get a job instead of being job creators. Yeah. But at the one level, I appreciate this conversation with parents and their youths. And it's, you know, just, I don't have my own kids, but just hats off to you as a parent and all parents because you're raising your kids for a world you don't know. And I think they cannot imagine anything tougher than that. The the, I'm hearing your friends, like everyone is saying entrepreneurship or it could be leadership skills, and I would offer that there are a lot of independent institutions, whether they're nonprofit or some of the oh, online okay. learning, that absolutely have created curriculum on those topics. And so to sit with a child, and, it, and it, I could imagine that a parent might be a little bit annoyed about this, and I think that that's totally fair. At the same time, that sort of energy for a child might feel like, you know, you're disadvantaged or what have you, but it might say, look, this is just how it is at school. I see a need for you to have other kinds of skills and to talk through how exciting it would be to have those skills because this would be asking a child to take on more work, more classes potentially. And I think this right. visioning, the visioning concept, so the parent and the student as a partner saying, I, I'm, you know, I had you and I, I, all I want is the absolute best for you and I'm doing the best I can. So here's what I see. I am older. I have seen, you know, how things can go here and what about and, and put out some ideas. There's so many with the videos of young people who are inspired and when they see videos of people their own age, I could see that yeah. being a real incentive. And then to, to set out and do a bit of what I'd say kind of homeschool, if it's really not the, your current location isn't serving, that um, the parents could do. And, you know, I, I guess I would say as, um, you know, from an activist standpoint, the ability to, to start at the local level and have conversations um, with folks and see, you know, what can we do that would help the folks who you know, haven't been born yet. But I think that's the right. kind of thing if everyone can, can not just – talk about it, but if we can just find an active step um, and make uh, a, a one step forward, if everybody did that, I think we have a hope of, of seeing change in our lifetime, Jerry. Okay, great. That sounds really good. Uh, I believe we're going to get together again, this focus group, and uh, thank you for the information. It was so helpful. This way, uh, you know, we want to keep an open mind 
and 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 talk about these things instead of just sitting back and watching the alternative. So that was very helpful. Now, you know, I'll be glad to bring some of this back to the group. Yeah, I appreciate you doing that. And I would encourage, and I understand that, you know, it's not fair, it's not right. And to the extent that people might get a bit negative, the ability to say, look at who do we want to be in the world? Who do we want to be for our kids? Let's try to take the high road and keep it really positive. And I know that's really hard. I know that's really hard. But I'd really encourage that because I think that's the kind of attitude that's going to get get us on a great track. And if I can help at all, Jerry, please don't hesitate to reach out. Oh, no problem. You have helped today. I'll tell you that much. And thank you so much for the info. I definitely uh, can take it, can take this with me and bring it back to the group. It'd be such a big, uh, beeps, uh, such a big plus. That's awesome. You take good care. Okay. Thank you so much, Molly. Enjoy. We'll take a quick break now. You're listening to Say It Skillfully. I'm your host, Molly Chang, and I'll be back live with you shortly. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Our sponsor for this show is CEO Works, the value coaching company. CEO Works is an executive advisory education company that advances the work of human capital. I've partnered with them on client projects, certified as a value coach myself, and seen the impacts firsthand. They have a unique approach to creating value quickly through talent by identifying the most critical roles, designing the roles, then powering them up with the right incredible talent. Their model coaches the ecosystem all around the talent to produce leaps in value. Their focus is not only on the talent, but also on the role-talent combination. The CEO the CEO Works team believes we can improve the world by improving business. I encourage you to find out more at ceoworks.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Say It Skillfully, featuring your host, Molly Chang. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or join the conversation on LinkedIn and Twitter with the hashtag, Say It Skillfully. Now back to your program. Welcome back. Our next caller is Tony. Tony, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you. Thank you, Molly. So we have uh, what exciting topic or sensitive conversation on your mind today, Tony? Let's see. So the most exciting topic to me is really talking about um, what's happening in the world right now around um, getting people to speak up at work and to be inspired to use your voice. That's something that's been important to me um, in the work that I do as a coach. That's great. Tell me a little bit about your work environment now, and if you could rate on a scale of 1 to 10 when folks are in a group setting, to what extent do you think people really are putting out there what they think needs to be said? Yeah, the... A lot of people I talk to, they feel like they're holding back because of the fact that there's 
you know, the workplaces that they're in, there's challenges with not feeling safe and still there's a sense of trust. And it's getting in the way of a lot of the, um, the ability to really innovate. And that, um, you know, the buzzword around psychological safety, which um, has been you know, kind of bent around with Amy Edmondson talking about it and a lot of the folks. And I think for me, when I think about the teams that I work with, I think they just want to be able to put more out in the world and to have teams that they can trust and people to work with, they can feel open to share in their minds and not, not being afraid, not being afraid of um, being rejected or, you know, saying, no, that's a stupid idea, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. This is, Great and classic. And we talked earlier with a caller about this psychological safety. Fundamental, right, to have it. Not that hard to get. Let me ask this for the folks you're talking to. Have they had, you know, I guess I would say data. Do they have data that if you put out um, a new idea, obviously that's how we innovate, that something bad happens? I'm curious on the, you know, the reason for people not feeling that they can say it. Yeah, it's interesting to say that because a lot of times it's uh, it's an internal dialogue that they have. It's uh, it maybe a they call it a limiting belief that um, you know the feeling that it's internal. You know, there's an element of um, a personal block because of they they feel that they that they, they can't put it out in the world because they've seen other people be held back or they've seen that because of who I am, I can't put this idea into the room. Um, so there's an element of maybe I'm not, not that it's really there, but that they're making it up. And I don't mean that in a negative way for the person who's saying it, but it's, um, it's being made up inside their internal dialogue. Yeah. Yeah. Great. I appreciate you helping me because we take this a lot of ways. That. I believe is the lion's share. I believe that too. I appreciate you bringing this up, Tony. I think the vast majority of it. And so, as we all know, whenever I start it, it starts with the self and the grounding of oneself. And this isn't, you know, I'm not saying we're expecting huge transformation of people overnight, but that limiting beliefs that you raised, I, I just really had conversations about it this weekend and that if we don't understand that we have them, it's really hard to unpack them. And they exist for a reason, um, but then to create empowering yeah. beliefs. Right? And it may be that, yes, I saw someone, and I'll just make it up, you know, 10 years ago, you know, got really hammered in a meeting and I'm just forever scarred. You know? And so that is yeah. an absolutely legitimate response. And I think the, the person has to then say, you know, now in you know, the last 10 years, have I seen this happen? You know, and it's, it's a chance to just really have a coaching conversation with the self or enroll someone else to help the person have a co- coaching conversation. But I think that ability, if you have um, friends or colleagues to sit down and say, hey, let, I'm going to ask you, really, on a scale of 1 to 10, how much have you actually seen the data that supports that limiting belief? And get them to realize, well, not really. Okay, so now... Now, yeah. what's coming for them? And, and letting them start to realize, and I love using the term for folks, listen, do you want to be your best friend or do you want to be your worst enemy? My gosh, I would just really yeah, rather you that. do the, the former. I would really rather you do the former because, again, if you're talking to a friend, your friend would never let you 
you know, limit yourself that way. And I think for a lot of the folks, if you know you're someone who, you know, get some folks around you and get a little cheering squat, because I do think absolutely that the positive can-do um, environment. And then I would say, you know, at your own core, you know, we want others to value us, presumably. And gosh, if we don't value ourselves, is it a re- realistic expectation that we should have others, you know, doing so? And, and I think I call this yeah. you know, leading, leading myself. So that yeah. leading myself, right, that conversation. And then, you know, I, I, I think it's if, if you're wanting the team to succeed, okay, here you are in a group, you have a point of view. And gosh, if you don't share your point of view, you're hurting the group. You know, so I think that's a nice way of putting people in. And you can do that if you want. But I got to tell you, you know, friend, you're now part of the problem. So pause there. How does that land for you, Tony? Well, absolutely. And, you know, and so it's, it's, there's an element of, I love that you put the responsibility, um, there's a responsibility to share your voice and there's a responsibility to put what you have inside into the world. And, um, that, to me, in some ways, uh, creates, you know, this element of a real strong um, uh, feeling of, of joy in some ways because you feel like, wow, that's empowering when you can say that I have something to give and if I don't give it and I'm, I'm leaving something on the table, um, which is kind of a big deal. Um, you know, I don't want to paint a picture of it. It's all made up or it's all the person's responsibility to put it out there. There are environments that don't really lend themselves to, to creating empowering environments. There's no doubt about it. But I think the reality is it starts with self. And I think that you hit the nail on the head when it's like that self, um, in terms of self limitations is a starting point. That's great. Tony, let me ask you, when you're in your work environment, to what extent do you feel that you just put it out there. 10 is like 100%, nothing holds me back, or 5 is 50%. How would you rate yourself? Yeah, well, good question. I mean, I, you know, because I'm, I'm working for myself, and uh, oftentimes I, you know, I'm working with other folks, whether it be I'm being coached or I am coaching, um, yeah. and I'm constantly worrying about my growth edge and seeing, am I being vulnerable enough? Am I putting myself on the line? Um, and, and kind of going deep enough. Um, so an element of, of ensuring that I push myself over the edge and, and kind of grow my edge, um, there's always more to be done. <laughs> and so I need to take my own medicine when I say that, um, you know, using your voice is important and power yourself and power your voice. Um, but there's no one here to hold me back besides myself. <laughs> so well, I love it. Dynamic. I love yeah. it. Okay, so in your in your so you're in a coaching context, is that right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So in coaching um, context, um, you're creating this with your client or with other coaches. You know this and this thing. Am I being vulnerable enough? When we have questions, right? Do I think that person understands it? That's a real cue. So am I being vulnerable enough? That's a, a kind of, to yeah. me, a door to open with folks. And, you know, you know you're, I can tell you're like you have an awareness thing going on. So it's like, look at I, I know that our ability to have true 
safe space. Ultimate trust is really important. I want to be modeling that. And on a scale yeah. of 1 to 10, how, how forthright do you feel with me? And again, you, presumably you've done some homework to have the kind of relationship where you can have this conversation. That's, and, and you want to create space. You know, if it's a 7 or if it's a 5, that's great. Let me know. Because I want to be able to work towards, you know, towards 10. And that, yeah. and, well, what do you mean, Tony? Well, what I mean is, do you feel like I'm you know, willing to make mistakes? Do you feel like I'm willing to push you in ways that you might be uncomfortable? And, you know, you've probably heard on previous shows, I mean, you know, you, when we're with a group or another person co-creating the environment that's going to help us yeah. be most successful, is it's two-way street, right? Um, so I think exactly. that, yeah. yeah, so that's, those are some kind of phrases that you can use. To, um, to switch gears a bit, when it feels, you know, when folks have done things, and again, so I'm going to, I always do this, I'm going to just clarify, there are leaders, let's just say, there's a small set that they really don't care what people think, they, they really just want to boss people around, they're, they're just going to do that, and that's who they are, and the choice you have is, do you want to work there or not? You know, I don't want to make them bad people, that's their choice, they want to lead that way. Mm-hmm. It's for the individual, up to you, you make a call. Presuming that they are leaders who really are unaware that that their behaviors aren't really making it safe, how comfortable are you, Tony, with how how ways that you could work into that conversation? Yeah, I mean, it's a tricky one because you know you, you want to be kind of as a coach, it's, you got to be careful not to um, push people into a direction that they're not comfortable going. And, and I'm not advising them. I'm helping them to get to the conclusions which are inside of them. Um, so it, it's a very fine line um, that I have to, I have to run. Um, so from that perspective, it's trying to shine light on the things that they're maybe not seeing, the blind spots, yeah. and allowing them to see that potentially if they're the ones creating the environment of let's say, um, an unsafe environment or an environment where people aren't speaking up or being empowered to allow them to see what, what are they seeing? You know, what are people seeing in their environment and how can they create more awareness? Um, I'm not sure if that answers your question, but it's absolutely... Yeah, I I was looking for... Yeah, that's all great. And I'll just offer a few lines for you. And I think... You know, as a coach, particularly, like I'm in service to you, so I want to help you, uh, the client, and yeah. so, uh, and we all have different views of reality. So let's just go through that meeting we just had. I just observed you. May I share? You're asking permission. May I share some of what I saw? Yeah. Okay. So this is what I observed, and yeah. if you see how kind of it's, you know, a certain line or something that they did create an effect, bring it up. You remember that? Yeah. Okay. How do you think? folks felt and in and, yeah. and those kinds yeah. of questions when you force the person to put themselves in other people's shoes you start to see do they have any clue are they thinking about that at all because that's actually the biggest thing is to be able to put yourself in someone else's shoes and figure that out and then yeah yeah oh i got it and okay great so now um when you said that you just might say i i can see how that you don't think that would have offended people i'll from my standpoint, I'm going to share with you, I think that that really shut things down. And that's not a good thing. You know, so it's your experience of the situation. And 
And, yeah. you know, yeah. and in a coaching situation, I think that's expected. For folks who are in a meeting where the, the boss might be, may not be expecting that, it would be saying, hey, you know, I appreciate that, that you have that point of view. What I'm noticing is that the way that was said really shut down the conversation in the room. I don't know if you noticed that. Did you notice it? Yeah. And, and to be able to yeah. do that in a neutral thing, and I, I get this for the folks listening, oh, I can't do that to my boss. I'm saying, your boss needs to know, and they are not going to know if you don't tell them, <laughs> okay? It does not get any better. So that idea of, gosh, Mr. Boss, you know, we, we know you want us to innovate, and, but what just happened, I think, really took us a few steps back. We're all part of the problem here. We're all part of the solution. We really want to be more part of the solution, you know, work with us. Um, and I, you know, again, I, I only work with folks I think want to be better. So typically I've seen people really do mm-hmm. grasp it. So, um, so I listen, I, I really appreciate your calling in. Do you have a top takeaway, Tony, from our little conversation? Yeah, you know, it's, I would say the top takeaway is really to, um, that the empowering of people's voices and allowing them to speak up is really goes from starting from their self um, and it doesn't out into you know, ensuring that the people at the top understand where their, their blind spots are. So I think that yeah. was a key takeaway. So That's great. Appreciate the time That's, again. I appreciate yeah, you for calling well. in, right? I'm, I'm here for you. If I can help out, you let me know. And thanks always, Tony, for being part of the solution. Thank you. Okay, our caller next is Terry. Terry, thank you for joining me on the show. You're welcome. Thank you. So what, uh, what is top of mind for you? What's top of mind for me? That's a great question. Um, from a coach perspective, uh, working with a, a new client who, as I listen to his conversation around what his challenges may be, it's, I don't want to change. I want to remain authentic. I shouldn't have to change for others around me. However, those around him are saying here are issues or challenges that he could overcome in order to become a better leader. And uh, I think he's making it more personal than it is professional. Ooh, good one. That's a really good one. Well, your client is very lucky, first and foremost, to have a coach in you. So great for that. Um, tell me, uh, th- th- it's very interesting that I shouldn't have to change in the sense that for most leaders, this notion of change is the only thing that's constant. So say a bit more. Is it because I'm my authentic self and if I change, I'm not my authentic self? You know, Is it that kind of do- dilemma or is it, that they're dug in, like this is, it's a my way or the highway sense. I think it's a bit of um, the client being dug in, but it also goes back to something to, that, that you just referenced, and that is, you know, as a part of all of this diversity inclusion work, accept me as I am, understand who I am. And if you understand who I am, then you'll make the necessary uh, modifications to, to accept me, and as a result of that, I don't have to change. Um, Great. Okay, so... <laughs> I think, I think the, being, the, being dug in is really 
where the issues lie. I am who I am. I know who I am. I'm good at what I do. I've studied all of this leadership, and they just have to accept me. Got it. Got it. So this kind of dug-in thing, I, to me, these are a little bit of a shock factor situation, so you're not trying to ease into it. And let's just call this person Sam. Sam, okay, you're the leader. People are looking up to you. What do you think your organization is going to think if you say, you stand in front of them and say, I'm not going to change? What are they going to think about you, Sam, when you say, I don't have to change, period? That's all you do. And you smile. Smile. Bright eyes. <laughs> and see, see where he goes with that. that it's, it's a little bit of the kid in the, the ski helmet. Like, are you, your, your kid, you got to wear a ski helmet. I'm not wearing a ski helmet. Like, oh, yeah, you are. <laughs> you are where you got your kid to wear a ski helmet. You wear a ski helmet. So it would say a lot. Terry, uh, in the response, genuinely, if there's not a, 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 a kind of a tonal shift, you know, the next question could be, do you think you look good? Do you think that looks good? How does that model, you know, folks being open to changing themselves? And again, that I would say meta skills that you could be a little bit more stern. Hey, how would that look, right? And, you know, I, I do think that, you know, this is a, you know, as a coach, some people are not, are not coachable. And if they're not coachable, that's not your problem. <laughs> so I, I think it's very important to ascertain, right, up front. And then, you know, I think it says a lot. So, you know, I don't, I'm not willing to work with you. Like, I'm dropping you. <laughs> right, so, right, absolutely. And, right? That sort not to be mean about it, of course. Um, I think a lot of people may feel leaders aren't willing to change. I could see I've talked to enough folks, oh, this is the way they are. And again, I would say that's a limiting belief. If that's what you want to believe, that no one can change, the opportunity is how can you create the incentive for them to want to change? Absolutely, we can't make people change. We can, however, influence help them see how in their self-interest it is helpful to change. And if, you know, they have the privilege of leading an organization, others, that it is a responsibility as well. So that kind of language you can start to gauge. Let me pause a little bit. How's that landing for you? That language is, uh, is actually great. Um, the, re- the whole reframing. Of, of 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 it, and and that happened a little bit um, in a brief conversation I had with them uh, yesterday morning, which wasn't a part of the normal coaching process. However, uh, there were challenges in the report that was delivered from the 360 verbal that I did with peers, and so he had challenges with what was said, and he was developing his report as to what he's going to work on, and he saw what he considered to be negative language, and how do I give them back this negative language to say that I'm going to improve in these areas, and my reframe for him was, 
put it in a positive light and indicate to them that, hey, you're going to make these changes, but I need you to be fully in your, to your to your stakeholders. I need you to be fully engaged in this process with me and to be proactive in the process because he, he feels as though a lot of uh, his stakeholders uh, who gave the feedback um, were, were causing him to be reactive by not inviting him to the table for certain meetings that really involve what he does uh, within the organization. And I just suggested a reframe around prefacing, you know, not only what you're going to change, but in your change, your expectations of those and how they can help you change. Yeah. Yeah, a thought. Have you asked him, Sam, what are you afraid of? I have not, uh, uh, but it's it's uh, that question has rattled around uh, in my head. Uh, what, what is the real fear of the of the change? Um, and, and that's yeah. a, a very uh, spot on question. Yeah, and I think again with with love, with compassion. Stepping back, because yeah, I'm, I'm here just the little tiny bits I'm hearing. You're getting someone who's like, you know, they're kind of, the heels are in. This is not valid. These people are wrong. Like there's, I'm not hearing we're all part of the problem. We're all part of the solution kind of guy. Okay. Like I got that. Right. And I think that that's, you know, that, that there's something, there's angst within, right? Not in good relationship. Sam's not in great relationship with himself. And to be able to maybe have the, a door come down and say, you know, stop. We're not let's not worry about anybody else right now. I don't think this is really about anybody else. <laughs> and, you know, I think the confronting thing, you know, you've gone, as a coach, you've gone through it. Gosh, I've gone through it. God, the things you find out about yourself. I mean, it is, lots of times it's not pretty and you don't love it. And it's not necessarily the funnest time. However, getting through it, we can be better. And, you know, I, 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 I think this, I can feel this pushback thing. And you're like, wow, this is like a having, it's almost like a youngster, you know, <laughs> You're like, just yeah, eat the, yeah, eat the yeah, broccoli. Yeah. Okay, just eat the broccoli. Um, <laughs> have, uh, I, I am curious if, um, if you've tried, you know, oftentimes I do the scale of one to 10 thing, you know, like how open uh, do you think you are? How do you, and I'm just curious if, if any of that, if you can see a question or two where you could maybe create a little bit of an aha thing for him. And I might use yourself and him. So here, you know, I, <laughs> Sam, I am really trying to help you right now. On a scale of 1 to 10, you know, how well, how, how well do you think it's going? Or how, how do you think, you know, how, how excited I am, am I to work with you? <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Just, you, you could use, model it with just the two of you because that's your own world just to help him get a little bit of breakthrough and, you know, and, and just confirm safety. You know, I think confirming safety with you first and foremost has to happen if he's going to have a hope in God of the rest of the team. Um, so you might put the brakes on some of the other stuff and just spend some time with you. You know, it's interesting that you say that because uh, in our last session, he revealed something that was pretty personal uh, to him. And so I, I think he's pretty pretty comfortable uh, w w with me in, in what he revealed around his devaluing of certain people as a as a um, result of experience, some experiences that he had in his life, and uh, and speaking about 
how he devalued. You know, he's beginning to see that differently now. And I guess some you know, soul searching that's, that's going on, but he was able to to reveal um, that. But I don't know if he really understood what he really revealed. Um, and the reason I say that is because he was talking about the the devaluing of um, people of a particular race, mm-hmm. in which he was also a part of that race. And it's very tough to devalue something that, that you are. And so he was very revealing and forthcoming with that, but I don't think he took the other step to understood that he had to devalue himself. So even though he seems comfortable with me, I think there's some, some deeper um, issues and fears that may exist that, given what you just suggested, would probably be able to uncover that. That's fantastic. Great realization, and that's a heavy topic. He's very fortunate, Terry, to have you working with him. Uh, please reach out if I can be of further help in any way. And uh, most of all, thanks for joining me and being part of the solution. Yes, thank you so very much. Take care. All right, bye-bye. Two thoughts over the weekend. I had a very inspiring um, time at a conference. Two things I just want to share with you. Um, Never judge a life you haven't lived. And that was a statement that really, really resonated with me. Um, And the last thing in the spirit of the Valentine's Day that just passed um, in my mentor, Alan Mulally's uh, life mantra, love and be loved in that order. Thank you for tuning in. That's a wrap for our show today. Please reflect on your top takeaways. And no, I'm cheering for you to be who you are and say what needs to be said so that you and those around you have a shared reality, essential to make the best decisions, execute with speed, and achieve outstanding outcomes at work and in life. Homelessness is a problem that's more costly to ignore than solve. The U.S. spends $12 billion a year responding, but resources alone aren't enough. I'd like you to know there are cities and counties proving what does work. Partnering with Community Solutions, a nonprofit I'm on the board of, more than 80 communities around the country are succeeding in ending homelessness, beginning with chronic and veteran homelessness. They convene local leaders around data and are changing how they work and spend their resources. So homelessness becomes rare. More than half have already reduced the number of people experiencing chronic and veteran homelessness with commitment to get to zero. What can you do? Visit www.built40.org and see whether your community is engaged. Contact your mayor and ask, do you know the number of people experiencing homelessness in real time? Do you know every homeless person by name? What are you doing to drive measurable reductions in homelessness? Please challenge the fiction that says homelessness is an intractable problem. Thanks for listening for listening to Say It Skillfully with host Molly Chang. Join us again for more ways to say it skillfully next Tuesday, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Follow Molly on LinkedIn and Twitter. Check out sayitskillfully.com and sign up so you don't miss her latest 90-second video. And please, be part of the solution. Kindly tell others about this program so they say it skillfully too. 